fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We've got one more hour to go to equip you here on the final day of 2019 to get ready for what's coming next year uh, and to be better armed and better prepared to conserve that which is worthy of conservation because it is proven via history to be what's best true and beautiful for human beings east of Eden. That's why we're conservatives. And that's what we're talking about here next on the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Our third and final hour here on this New Year's Eve day, filling in for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Glenn Beck program. Happy New Year to all of you. We are the crew from the Steve Day Show. That would be me, Steve Day, Stodders, and Aaron McIntyre, noon to two Eastern every weekday right after Glenn Beck on Blaze TV radio and podcast. If you liked what you've heard here the past couple of days, if you want to check us out, blazetv.com slash dace, last name is D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace. You can also just look for my name, Steve Dace, if you want to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. Find our channel on YouTube as well. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also email me, steve at stevedace.com. We are going over... My Ten Commandments of Political Warfare. Here's how I believe we can actually and effectively do what we believe. And they're from my book, Rules for Patriots, how conservatives can win again, endorsed by a few people you've probably heard of. The current president of the United States, Donald Trump, the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, just a couple. A guy named Ben Shapiro, just a few people some of you may have heard of uh, endorsed this book when it came out a few years ago. I, w- I want to go back one more time to commandment number five about reversing the premise of your opponent's argument and using it against them. We left off there at the end of the last hour. And I, and I, I want to I say one more thing about this commandment. You know, we started off today talking about how I'm not a big fan of the debate over how much like the left should we become to beat the left. Right. You know what? I've I didn't always grow up in the best home. And this is one of the reasons I'm sensitive to this debate is is my own life. And I remember thinking as a little kid, man, I want to grow up and be better than my dad was to me. And I remember sitting watching Empire Strikes Back as a little kid. When Luke goes into that cave in Dagobah. And he. And he and the invader is there. He's being tested. And his immediate instinct is, I got to take this guy down right now. Right? And he takes him down. Decapitates him, actually. But then the helmet opens, and whose face is inside? His. That blew my mind as a kid. And it does us no good to, to try to beat venom with venom, toxin with toxin, One of the things we point out on our show whenever this debate comes up is zero times zero is is just zero. When you're dealing with people in a movement that want to tear down everything sacred that matters to you, they're fine if you help them along. They don't care. You know, as long as this thing is is on the ash heap to history, I mean, that's all they care about. You want to help push them? Push the pile? They're fine with it. But... That doesn't mean there's never a time 
as I also pointed out at the top of the show, to fight fire with fire. This commandment is the place to do it. This is the place to do it. Let me give you an example. If we're going to set the precedent in our society that the only reason you could possibly have to disagree with Barack Obama's policies when he was president is you're a racist, right? We're going to set that precedent? Sure. Okay. Okay. You sure you want that premise? We'll go with it. Right now in the city of Detroit, I'm assuming we're on there because we're on like everywhere else. Right now in the city of Detroit, 8% of the children there, 8 I, I just, I can't even, I can't even fathom that. 8% of the children are reading proficient according to the U.S. Department of Education. In the Obama years, by the way, that was, that was their stat when he was president. That was his Department of Ed. 8%! 8 overwhelmingly the population of students in the Detroit public schools are black. So therefore, if we are going to do, let's just play out the math. If we are going to set the precedent, if your premise over there on the left is that the only possible reason I would oppose policies from the, from the previous president, we, we, we had more people on food stamps in America under Barack Obama than the total population of Spain. You ever been to Spain, travel there, take a trip, look around, and realize that if you took the entire population of Spain, that would be the amount of people who are on food stamps when Barack Obama was president. And the only reason I think that's a bad idea, that's bad for the country and bad for people. Hey, I grew up, we were on food stamps. I remember getting those as a kid. We ate government cheese. I did reduce school lunches. So the only reason you could possibly think it's bad to have more Americans in the richest country on earth on food stamps than the total population of Spain is you're a racist. If that's where we're at now, okay, well, then the only reason you don't want school choice that would free those black kids from those underperforming schools is you're a racist. There cannot possibly be another reason. Why do you hate black kids? Why are you a racist? See, that this is where you do it. You don't match a lie for a lie. You don't water down what you believe. You don't accept their talking points. But I'm all for making the other side live by the standards they want to impose on everybody else. I'm all for that. I'm not lowering my standard for you, but I'm sure as hell going to make you live by yours. Oh, yeah. You want to live by that standard? That's the standard you've articulated. You love misquoting Matthew 7 to me out of context? Judge not lest ye be judged? Without finishing the rest of that verse which by the way matthew 7 in its proper context is jesus condemning people of their hypocrisy their unwillingness to live by the standards that they want to impose on everybody else which is why i'm totally fine imposing your standard upon you it's not my standard you're the one that wanted that standard i don't want to live in a country where the only possible reason you could disagree with me is you are the lowest form of life on earth you're racist scum i i don't i don't want to live in that country but you said you did. You wanted to live there. So, by the power vested in me by the freedom of speech, 
I'm sure as hell going to make you live there. Squalor there. Squat in it. Live in it. Breathe it. Eat it. Swallow it all. Would you like to play a game, every Matthew Braderick? Yes, every last morsel of it you may have, if that's where you want to live. I am, I am perfectly fine letting you live by your own stated standard. That's what that means. you have any further thoughts on that, gentlemen? Perfect. Asked and answered. Well done. Let's go to the next commandment. Number six, never abandon your base unless they're morally wrong. Never abandon your base. See, in politics, if you don't have a base, you don't have anything. You can have name, ID, money, but if you can't develop a base, meaning a primary, in the radio business, we call these people P1s, your primary audience, the people that truly believe in your product. And so they're going to they're gonna give you the best advertising of all, word of mouth. They're going to spread it for you. That's the first goal any politician has to have, is a base. That's why Michael Bloomberg is never going to be the Democratic nominee. He can outspend every candidate in the race, except for maybe Tom Steyer, who's not going to be the nominee either. Because they can have all the money they want. And if you live in our home state of Iowa right now, you think Tom Steyer owns every television station in the state. Because you cannot turn on a program without a Tom Steyer commercial. And, get, and thanks to the algorithms, if you, if you live in Iowa, you cannot log on to a website or a social media site without being inundated with Tom Steyer inserts and ads. But he has no base. He's not developed an actual base. So you know what he's doing? He's just creating really cool Christmases for media ad buyers and media, media ad sellers at all of these television stations in Iowa. <laughs> he's making a lot of people rich, but he's not... He's not He's not growing a base. You must have a base. Greatest example of this is Ron Paul. I can't think of a politician the system hated more than him over the years. Why was he able to withstand that? Despite sometimes the crazy things he believed and the crazier things he said. Because he had one heck of a loyal base. So you, you have to have a base. Even the Republicans that you maligned believe in this one as fervently because they know they have to lie to you enough right. to make you believe in the power That's of the magic right. R. The only time in the Obama years that the, that the Republicans really took him on, really took him on, was when Antonin Scalia died. Because if they let Barack Obama seat the successor to Antonin Scalia, that's a real game changer on the court. And other than I'm just team GOP, the number one reason you vote Republican is judges. In the 2016 election, in the, in, in the exit polling, the number two issue that decided voters' uh, choices, number one was the economy and jobs, number two, judicial appointments. And among those voters, Donald Trump won those voters by like 25 points. So the Republicans are like, crap, man. We really want a shadow box here, like we always do, and just you know get on Fox and lie to people and just go back home to our brownstones and our our our, our, our watering holes and and just cash the K Street check. But if if out in the open and in an election year, if we let Barack Obama seat arguably the greatest conservative justice of the century, Antonin Scalia, if we let Barack Obama in an election year out in the open seat Antonin Scalia's successor. The whole scam is up here. We can't afford that. So on this one, 
survival instinct took over. We have to fight. Like my old man used to tell me about the Alamo. One of the main reasons there was so much bravery there, there wasn't a back door. There wasn't a back door out of this one. So the Republicans had to fight Obama on Merrick Garland and they did. Because they knew if they abandoned their base on this, they were toast. Don't ever abandon your base. They do this though all of the time. For those of you shocked, I get calls from media people all the time. Why are all these evangelicals supporting Trump? Why has he got a 90% approval rating amongst Republicans? Doesn't abandon his base. Doesn't always deliver for him now. That's true too. He doesn't always deliver for them. But you're not worried about Donald Trump going to one of his rallies on national television and throwing you under the bus on an issue you care about in that setting. Like you used to worry when George W. Bush was, was on the debate stage with John Kerry and you like watched with your fingers over your eyes. And when like certain issues come up, you're like, please just don't go to the left of John Kerry and I'm going to call it a win, please. Right, right. Is that what I'm talking about? Sure. sure. That's that you cannot abandon your base unless they're morally wrong. If they're morally wrong, then the higher law takes over. But if your base isn't morally wrong, you cannot abandon your base. Which means if you're in that Republican base, do you know how much clout you really wield? Why are you the one, man, why do I got to vote for this rhino again? You know, they have these things called primaries. You know, you, you don't have to have that guy again. You don't have to have Lindsey Graham again, John Cornyn again. You don't have to. Well, I mean, why, you're like doomed to your fate. You're not free to vote until November. You're not free to take part in the process until post-Labor Day every time. Because, you know, in philosophy, we have what are called fallacies, which means if one side's assertion is true and the other one's not, the argument's not sound. It's a one-sided argument, okay? So if it's true that you cannot abandon your base and be successful, if that's true, then it must also be true that that base wields an inordinate amount of power. And that base is you. You have the power. Wield it. More of the Glenn Beck program here in a moment. Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, we are the crew from the Steve Day Show, noon to 2 Eastern, each weekday after Glenn Beck on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Just search for our name, D-E-A-C-E, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc., or blazetv.com slash dace. We left off with commandment number six, never abandon your base unless they're morally wrong. All right? Never abandon your base. But the reason why... This commandment is in there for those of you that aren't going to run for office, but are conservatives. It's because it's also there to demonstrate how powerful you are. Conservatives are way too passive in the process. Waiting for engineered outcomes from a Republican Party hierarchy that hates you. The only, the only political party I know in America that hates conservatives more than Democrats are the Republicans. And if you want to know the true difference in Washington between the two parties, it's that the Democrats inspire their base to get what they want. And the Republicans conspire against their base to get what they want. So if it is true that if a politician goes against his base, if you want to know, Joe Biden got in this race last spring. 
basically running his, his own Make America Great Again ads. All the Americana, right? We saw that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting there on our show. We're like, dude, he's he's nailed it. He's figured out figured it out. People want to return to... They, they, they want to blame somebody for the, the divisiveness and they want to Pax Romana and he's coming up the middle with the right message, right? We said that at the time. Sure. Doesn't that seem like it was 10 years ago? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it was. Because it, it feels like it. Because now he's running on, shut down the entire states of West Virginia and Pennsylvania because of what the temperature might, 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 might be in, in the year Zephram Cochran uh, creates warp speed engine technology so we make first contact with the Vulcans, okay? Might be. Now he's running on uh, applauding kids, parents, when they bring them to their shows and say, hey, what do you think about me castrating my kid and making him a girl? Oh, yeah, great idea. Now, now he's, he's just another candidate now. He's just another lefty now. Why? Because he did the math and he figured this is what my base wants and I got to give him my base what they, I got to give him what they want. Pete Buttigieg soared to heights here in Iowa, running on, I'm a veteran. Everybody loves me. I'm from small town USA. I, I'm not a, you know, I, 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 I'm from a community that understands, you know, that you can't always just have the worst motivations and suspicions of those you disagree with politically. And Iowans were like, oh, yes, we're Iowa nice. Not to mention, please give us a chance to show all the people that hate us we're really not homophobes. Please, let me slap another coexist bumper sticker on the back of my cul-de-sac Subaru. Please, 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 please. And it, it, boy, it soared and it worked. But now he's out there in the last couple of weeks telling you that the Constitution was made for racists. Jesus was born into the world a refugee. In other words, he's, he sounds like just any other lefty now. Why? Don't abandon your base. Why is Tulsi Gabbard more popular with conservative media than she is her own party? Because they feel like she's abandoned them. That's why. So they've abandoned her. You have that power on the right. You do. I I don't know why we need to make these guys superheroes. Everybody's the, you know, the vessel of God. You're hiring an employee. I know there's going to be a lot of business owners in this audience. When you need a sales manager, when you need a, a, a mechanic, are you like, you know what? I think this guy's the next Nebuchadnezzar, who's a bad dude, by the way. No, no, you're just hiring him. You're hiring a mechanic, okay? You have the power. Stop giving it away to politicians. Own the power you have. Make the, make the politicians bend to you. The left base does it. That's why Uncle Joe just now sounds like Comrade Joe. Why doesn't our base do this? You have the exact same power. Use it, though, or lose it. We've got four more commandments to go. The final four of our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare coming your way here in a moment on the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck. 
Back here on the Glenn Beck Program, we are the crew from the Steve Day Show, noon to two Eastern after Glenn, here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. That's me, Steve Day, Todd Erzin, and Aaron McIntyre. And again, if you want to follow up with us after we're done here today, and we bid you adieu, as well as the year 2019, blazetv.com slash dace, blazetv.com slash D-E-A-C-E, or look up Steve Dace on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Let's continue with today's theme, our 10 commandments of political warfare. We've got a few more to go. Let's get to commandment number seven. Define your opponent before they define themselves. And define yourself before your opponent defines you. So define your opponent before they define themselves and define yourself before your opponent defines you. There was a time we did this well. Like, you don't find anybody who identifies themselves really as a liberal anymore. That word was annihilated. And and you can thank... Uh, the the Ronald Reagan presidency, his entire political apparatus, um, Lee Atwater, who ran George Herbert Walker Bush's campaign in 1988 and turned it into, took it, took it to, as Todd, you like to say, dial that spinal tap up to 11. I mean, liberal was already a bad word in the Reagan 80s. But when, when the H.W. Bush campaign got a hold of it in 1988, I mean, they just won an entire candidacy against Michael Dukakis on, he's a liberal, card-carrying member of the ACLU, the Willie Horton ads, the revolving door, the furloughs, the ridiculous picture of Dukakis in a tank, right? He's just out of the mainstream of America. The word liberal was entirely destroyed. That's why we hear the term progressive now. See, I, I think we have to understand that because, you know, what? here's where the term liberal is still, is still used in conservative media. You still see the term liberal used a lot. And I think Glenn was one of the first people that kind of transitioned to the notion that these are, this is the, um, you know, the Wilsonian progressivism come to life. The Fabian socialists come to life from the late 18th, early, or late 19th, early 20th centuries. We use the term leftist on our show a lot. Because they're, they're really, I don't believe there really are any liberals anymore. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't think there's a lot of liberals left in elected politics anymore. I think we have a lot of friends and family members who are liberals. Meaning, people that want government to give you the ability to do that, which God says is dumb and immoral. That's really what a liberal is. Or someone who thinks government should do for people what they can't do for themselves. Right? That's kind of the traditional sure. definition. We, we all have a lot of, the, I mean, I grew up in Michigan. You grew up in Wisconsin. You know, those are, we're going to run into all kinds of those kinds of people in the state right. like that, right? Sure. But do you see a lot of those kinds of people in elected office or on cable news? No, what you see are leftists. What's the difference? The leftist wants a government to compel you to do the things that God says are dumb or immoral, that you will be made to care, as Eric Erickson likes to say. Bend the knee. Yes. You will, you will change the way you worship for government. You will change your moral behavior for government. You will change the English language for government. That's what a leftist does. So the liberal wants government to permit you to do stuff that God says is dumb or immoral or to help people do things they can't do for themselves. The leftist wants to use the full coercive power. 
power of government. The power of government compels you. That's what a leftist is. Now, I ask you, those of you listening to us across the country today, how many of the other people you listen to and read have defined this properly for you? And then how many of them are still partying like it's 1989 in what they say? Or even 2009? You want to have fun this New Year's Eve? Well, not fun fun. More like gallows humor fun. Just go online on YouTube and just start searching for clips, Democrats 2009. And look at the MSNBC 2009, CNN 2009. And see what was being said 10 years ago. And compare it to the stuff that's going on now. Heck, you want to really be gallows humored? Go on to YouTube and type in Fox News 2009. Can I get a witness? That'll preach. Compared to what gets said on that channel nowadays. Okay? So, um, if you have to properly... that's You, you want to know how important this commandment is? We spent three hours yesterday on this commandment. That's what the seven deadly worldviews program we did yesterday was. This. How in the world can you properly defeat an opponent you can't properly define? And then, why do we call people who want to kill children pro-choice? Who came up with that language? The, the baby killers did. Because what do you think sells more better in a focus group? Baby killer or pro-choice activist? What do you think, Polly? Goes over better in flyover country? Hmm. Narrowly the latter. Yeah, it's, I, I can see why there might be some confusion. Sure. It's like Dan Brown, the author of the uh, Da Vinci Code. You know, he told you the, the Council of Nicaea. It was a real narrow vote to decide which books were going to make it into the Bible or not. Yeah, I think it was like 348 to 3. I think it was the actual vote or something yeah, really like that. Really narrow. Yeah. I mean, they had several recounts and hanging chads there. The Emperor Constantine had to sift through. We got file footage of that. Constantine holding up chads. Is this one dangling, hanging? I don't know. 348 to 3. I mean, let's do a recount here. Um, yeah. Uh, pro-choice activist is going to sell better than baby killer. So then why would we call them by the term they want to be called? Like when we go on their shows or read their articles... Are we referred to as pro-life or anti-choice, anti-reproductive freedom? We don't get that accommodation. Why do we grant it to them? Again, questions that have no good answer that probably you're sitting there thinking, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Probably should have done this a whole long, a long time ago. Yeah. Imagine if we've been doing this stuff the last 25 years how different things would be in America right now. Commandment number eight. Always make, always, again, we love those absolutes, and just as never in the original Greek, neveros means never, alwaysos means always. Always make your opponent defend their record and belief system. Great example of this in the last presidential primary, it was his one shining moment. But when Rand Paul announced he was going to run for president, the senator from Kentucky, he talked about being pro-personhood, meaning that 
A human being is a person from the moment of conception as defined in the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution that says no person shall be denied life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Or the 14th Amendment, equal protection under the law for all persons in the United States. Right? That's what that means. Okay? And so right away he was attacked. Uh, who was that? Bride of Frankenstein, crazed woman that ran the DNC. Oh, Debbie and Wasserman Schultz. Hillary. Yeah. That, that's right. Debbie Wasserman Schultz. That's right. She gets He gets attacked by Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I couldn't remember her name. I'm sorry. Bride of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that triggered. It's, that's right. I buried the lead. That triggered your memory. Oh, yeah. I got that one. Like um, Pavlov's dog. Yes. Okay. And um, she comes at him right away. Six her, um, well, Democrat activists with bylines, otherwise known as reporters, after, after Rand. And he responds back with something along the lines of, tell you what, you go back, I'll answer your question about when is a zygote a human being? If you go ask Debbie Wasserman Schultz, when were the children that she carried to term humans? Go ask her that. Four months at gestation, six, seven, nine months, three seconds before she gave birth? At what point did she consider the children of her, of her own that she carried in her womb? At what point did she consider them to be children? And so a couple of these reporters actually did this. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz performed the age-old political wrestling move known as the tap out. She couldn't get out of this one fast enough. When do you think life begins? When did it begin for your own kids, Deb? Hey, Deb. When were your kids kids? You defend your belief system. Now, in the New Testament, we are called as, if you're a Christian, you're called by St. Peter to always have a reason or apologia there. That's the Greek word we get apologetics from. To always have reasons for the hope that we have. Reasons to believe. To offer, to offer reason with our faith. And faith with our reason. But it doesn't say to always be on the defensive Having a defense for your beliefs isn't the same as letting yourself get cornered. Because the St. Peter that wrote those words on the day of Pentecost went down to the went downtown on the busy one of the busiest days of the year in full throat and said, um, y'all need to turn or burn. That's what's up. Turn or burn. Jesus is the reason for the season, turn or burn. And I'm here to tell you, give you the what's for, and that's what's up. Now that's going on offense. You're not, you're not playing defense when you're down there jumping on a box saying to the crowd, I got a little something, something for you. And here it is. You ready? So that, when they whine, that's offensive, Steve, you say. That's right, it is. Yes, the truth is often offensive. Yes. Yes. So it, there's a difference between having a defense for what you believe, but being on the defensive. If there, is, if there is one of these tactics this president does exceedingly well is that he rarely gets caught on the defensive bias detractors. Do not, do not feel like you have to constantly be the one. You know, the culture is like a jury box. Yes, at times you will be called to the stand and you'll have to testify and be cross-examined. But you know what? The other side has to go to the stand and be cross-examined too. You don't like my belief system? You don't like the Constitution? You think it's forged by a bunch of racists? 
You think the, 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 the Judeo-Christian worldview and moral systems, the heteronormative patriarchy, cool. What do you want instead then? Lay it out. Show us. Right. Unveil before us what your plan therefore is. Because if you aren't willing to do this with transgenderism in this day and age, you don't deserve to have a culture, quite frankly. If you want to know how devastating this tactic is, look at Elizabeth Warren's presidential campaign. Three months ago, she was the heavy favorite to be the Democratic nominee. And it has collapsed ever since she was forced to do what? Defend her own record and belief system. Hey, this Medicare for all plan, do the math. Show us how this is going to work. So being the true Marxist believer from Wellesley College for Women, she is. She did. And people are like, screw that noise. (laughs) I don't want that. No, make them defend what they believe, at least for a change. More in a moment here on the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to Glenn Beck. We've got two more quickly of our Ten Commandments of Political Warfare to get to. Number nine, stay on message. Don't get off message. Stay on message. When you have a winning message, don't change the subject. Play the hits. People like to play the like to hear the hits. All right, I'm, I'm not going to a Def Leppard concert to hear your new stuff because Joe Elliott can't sing anymore. All right, if I'm going to hear Joe Elliott blow out his larynx, I want to hear it on photograph and uh, pour some sugar on me. Not some song they wrote for the Behind the Music special on VH1 last year, right? Stay on message and play the hits, right? I'm going to go watch Elton John in concert. I want to hear some Tiny Dancer, some Rocket Man, some Saturday Night's All Not Right for Fighting, right? I don't, I don't really want to hear what he thought, you know, looking at on Golden Pond last, last month. I'm not here for that. I, w- I want to hear him screech his way through the hits. So stay on message. Make, right? make red baseball hats, pass them around, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Stay on message. Yes. And then commandment number 10, play offense. Nothing inspires your base more than that is if you are on offense, people rally to you when they see you're on offense, right? Stay on offense. Gentlemen, that pretty much wraps it up for the last two days. Want to thank, um, uh, the whole team here uh, at the Glenn Beck program, both uh, with the blaze and premier for giving us an opportunity to do this the last couple of days. It's been uh, a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, I'm usually in the basement this time of year on vacation. You you couldn't get me out of the basement for just anything, but a chance to, to be a part of this program uh, the last two days and do it with the two of you was too good to pass up. Did you guys have fun? A blast. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Any final pithy wise words you want to impart to this audience? In case they never hear from us ever again. Take to heart what we said. This isn't just show filler. Um, 2020 is going to be nuts. You need to be equipped for it. Yeah. Uh, know thine enemy and uh, know how to fight back with that in mind. And don't forget, if you like what you heard here and you want to hear more, blazetv.com slash dace. D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Subscribe to our podcast. Just look up my name, Steve Dace, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. We've got a channel up on YouTube and lots of highlight clips as well. Uh, And email me, steve at stevedace.com. I hope all of you have a great new year and a rest of your holiday. Until the next time we see or hear from one another, John 317.